Good morning. So good to see your faces. Those of you watching online can't see your face, but uh, there's plenty of smiling faces here to worship Jesus. Um, <clears throat> I was uh, thinking about the fact that I have not worn long pants since March the 8th, the last. <laughs> Just what's, what's the point? I don't know if I ever will again from here, unless I have to, I guess. Doing a wedding in shorts probably wouldn't fly in some people's ideas. But uh, anyway, it's good to see you. I'm glad that we're here. And last week when we had the, our first two services, I'll be honest with you, it felt weird. Like nobody knows how to, how are you, are we this, you know? And let's just don't, let's just release all that tension. I mean, that's the work of the enemy to try to get us you know, blinded and, and, and frustrated. We're here to worship Jesus together. And, um, you know, we're starting um, a little more rigid on our housekeeping rules according to the guidelines so that we don't have to tighten up, but we rather can go loosen up as time goes on. So let's pray and we'll get into the word. Lord, thank you that no matter what, you're good. Jesus, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. But let that sink into our hearts today. I pray for those that are hurting today to hear your word that you have for them. Lord, I confess I need you. People don't need to hear from me. So Holy Spirit, lead, lead this teaching for the glory of Christ the honor of the Father, in Jesus' name, amen. So listen to these following phrases. Listen to these phrases and see what does it make you feel emotionally, and, and maybe is this where you're at right now? I quit. I'm done. I'm over it. Find somebody else to do it. I've had enough. I can't take anymore. I'm just so tired. After all, what's the point? We use phrases like this when we're discouraged, when we feel defeated, when we're frustrated, when we're fearful. When we're confused, we say things like that. And maybe that's where you're at today in your life on some things. Hang in there. God's got a word for you. We started last week uh, this new teaching series called My Two Sons. And where the title of this comes from is we're going through 2 Timothy and then straight on into Titus. And Paul calls Timothy his son in the faith. And he also calls Titus his son in the faith. So I thought, we're going to do both books. How about my two sons? Anybody old enough to remember my three sons? All right. You just dated yourself there, pal. Um, I, I've never heard of the show. Like, I mean. This letter to Timothy is Paul's last letter that he wrote. He wrote like three quarters of the New Testament. And he writes Timothy at a time of great discouragement for the church. The first 25 years of the church experienced explosive growth, explosive people coming to Jesus and churches going all over the world. 
And now the, the church is, is experiencing crisis because they're being persecuted by the Romans. The Roman emperors, and, and they were, you know, laws against Christians and so much persecution. And so the church is like finding out, do we really believe or not? Like it's, it's kind of separating true believers from people who were just halfway there. And so I imagine Timothy probably uttered some of those phrases that I spoke a minute ago. I'm sure he thought, I'm done. I quit. I know I've uttered those words before. I'm over it. I'm done. Because we do that out of our, our frustration. But the truth is, we are most tempted to be done with it, over it, quit, right before we're about to get a breakthrough. I believe that. That it gets the strongest right before that breakthrough about, is about to happen. Made me think of the, the movie and the story about Rudy. Remember Rudy, Rudy. Um, I'm not going to make you chant that, but remember Rudy. And he was, he was a guy who his life, he was a lifelong Notre Dame football fan, just a true fanatic. And probably more than me and my Rockies, right? But he, uh, Rudy, his, after high school, he was a high school football player. He wasn't big enough, good enough to get any kind of scholarship, so he starts working in a factory like everybody else did in his family. He has a tragedy where his best friend is killed. And so he goes through this difficult time, and he says, you know what, life's short. I'm going to follow my dream. And so he enrolls in community college, and he's trying to get the grades to get accepted into Notre Dame, and, and then he thought, I'm going to go out for the football team. If I have to be a tackling dummy on a daily basis, I at least get to wear a Notre Dame football jersey. And then he ultimately had this dream not to play in a game, but that he would just walk, run out on the field with the team. That was his, his dream. And he goes through all this ups and downs and, and defeats, and keeps, but he, he stays perseverant in it. And then he finally decides, when he got some news that he wasn't going to dress out, he decided that he was going to quit. Well, the scene that I'm about to show you is when his mentor speaks back into his life to not quit. What are you doing in this? And to persevere. Maybe it's a conversation Paul would have had in person with Timothy. Timothy might have gone a little something like this. So go ahead. Make sure the top's ready. We'll check with the weather service by five, and we'll make a decision then. What you doing here? Don't you have practice? Not anymore. I quit. Oh. Well, since when are you the quitting kind? I don't know. I just don't see the point anymore. So you didn't make the dress list. There are greater tragedies in the world. I wanted to run out of that tunnel for my dad. To prove to everyone prove that I worked... Prove what? That I was somebody. Oh, you are so full of crap. You're five feet nothing, a hundred and nothing, and you got hardly a speck of athletic ability. And you hung in with the best college football team in the land for two years. And you're also gonna walk out of here with a degree from the University of Notre Dame. In this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. And after what you've gone through, if you haven't done that by now, it ain't gonna never happen. Now go on back. 
Sorry, I never got you to see your first game in here. Hell, I've seen too many games in this stadium. I thought you said you never saw a I've game. I've never seen a game from the stands. You were a player? I rode the bench for two years. Thought I wasn't being played because of my color. I got filled up with a lot of attitude. So I quit. Still not a week goes by, I don't regret it. And I guarantee a week won't go by in your life, you won't regret walking out, letting them get the best of you. You hear me clear enough? What area of your life right now do you need to keep persevering? What area of your life do you need to keep on keeping on, as we like to say? That's the title of the message today is keep on keeping on. Keep on keeping on until you get your breakthrough. We don't want to live with regret that we quit something too soon. Maybe today it's, it's a marriage. You feel like we're done. Maybe it's a dream. Maybe it's a calling, something that God's put on your heart. <clears throat> Let's read what Paul told Timothy. He says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to receive his share of the crops. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel for which I suffer hardship, even to imprisonment as a criminal. But the word of God is not imprisoned. For this reason, I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus, and with it eternal glory. It's a trustworthy statement. For if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, we will also, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. How do we keep on keeping on? How do we persevere in the face of, of difficulties and, and trials? That's what Timothy was going through. We have our own set of trials and difficulties today. The first thing I would tell you is to keep being strong. Keep being strong. And some of you might think, what are you talking about? (laughs) I don't have any strength. My strength is gone. My tank is empty. That's a good thing. Because now when you feel that way, you're ready. You're ready to actually have real strength. Because Paul said, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He didn't say be strong in yourself, Timothy. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps, whatever that even means. I don't know what that means. I know it means keep persevering, but but to keep persevering. He says, but do it in the grace 
that Christ provides, not your own strength. That's all of our problems is we depend upon ourselves too much and not Jesus enough. The word grace, my favorite definition for the word grace is the power to do what you could never do on your own. It's God's power in you to do what you could never do on your own. We're we're saved by grace. We can't save ourselves. We don't do anything in our own strength, spiritually speaking. Here's a question to ask. If you feel like your strength tank is, it's empty, it's depleted, ask yourself this question. Does Jesus have the strength to do it? Of course he does. He might even giggle when we ask that question at us a little bit. Of course he does. So lean in to him. One of my favorite passages is um, in Matthew 11. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He wants us to lean into him. What an invitation to find rest and strength in him. Vulnerability is not, does not come easy for anybody, especially us men. We don't want to admit we're weak. We don't want to appear weak, but actually vulnerability is a strength and not a weakness. Ask for help from God and others. It's so important that we remember that God, yes, he, he could... He could wave a magic wand and make our problems go away. But he, he has invited us as, as his family to help, to be the answer to somebody's prayers when it comes to help giving strength and to help people be strong. I, I love big Joel Dennis. Today's his birthday. And he, uh, he's really good at being vulnerable. He's really good at asking for help from others and say, hey, could you pray for me? I'm, I'm, I feel broken today, whatever it is. He's good at that. I admire him. If you're new to Novation or kind of new to, to our family, or, or maybe you're watching online and you have never been, um, we have a culture here, and if you get close enough, you'll figure this out. We have a culture where we're a church that we, we know each other's stuff, and you're like, oh, I don't, this is wrong, I don't want that. But actually, church is supposed to be a place where we can be honest with our mess. It, it, we're a church that we know each other's stuff and mess, and we love each other anyhow. We walk through the fire with one another. We're not going to judge and critique one another. We're going to try to serve and help one another through the issues. We meet each other in the mess. We don't, you know, a lot of times people come to church with the smiling face on and everything's great when really life sucks and life's difficult for people. You need a place where we can be vulnerable. That's how we gain strength. So keep on keeping on by keep being strong. And then the next thing is to keep passing it on. Keep passing that grace. Keep passing that strength on to others. Paul said in verse 2, the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men or people who will be able to teach others also. What are these things? The these things comes from last week's teaching in verse chapter 1, verse 7 through 12, where Paul explains the gospel, that, that, that Jesus through his death 
defeated death. He literally abolished death. He abolished our enemies by his life, death, and resurrection. That's good news. And good news needs to be shared. It needs to be passed on. At the end of World War II, when the war was over, they they had to run around Europe and telling people, the war is over. The war is over. Well, our war is over. Jesus defeated our enemies. And so, discipleship, it was that next part where he says, entrust these two things to faithful people. Disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. It's the first uh, network marketing scheme that actually had a great finish to it. But truly, thank you for laughing, it's truly one of those things that, that Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, of all people. A disciple is a student. A disciple is a learner. And we're learning how to live life from Jesus, the author of life. And so the, 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 the thing I would say is don't settle for just being a Christian. That's, that's easy. I'm a Christian. Be a disciple, a follower of Jesus. That means Jesus is in the driver's seat of your life. You're learning how to live from him. You're putting into practice what he taught. That doesn't mean legalism or, or that we're not going to fail or that we're, we're perfect. Not, not at all. He meets us right where we're at in our brokenness. And every time I, I fail or fall off the path, get back on and keep following him. Keep growing. Jesus never abandons us. God doesn't do abandonment. He, he only knows that connection and that relationship. So be a follower of Jesus. The discipline of discipling is, is, is the heartbeat of the church. It's where you're learning how to have Jesus not compartmentalized in your life, but that he's the foundation of your, your life. He's the foundation of your decisions. He's the foundation of how you think, act, and speak. And we're growing in that as his disciples. And so we're here to help one another. We're, we're his disciples who are helping others become disciples. So to keep, keep on keeping on and to press on is to pass that grace on to others so that it keeps going down line. And then the last thing I think, it's the good portion of the passage that I read, is we keep being strong, keep passing it on, and keep hanging on. Some of you are in that place right now. I need to just hang on. You need to remember that he's hanging on to you. He's hanging on to you. Um, Vesna and Francisco, part of our church family, and uh, they had their 20th anniversary last weekend, and um, they went down to Colorado Springs, and Vesna posted on Facebook this video of this, you know, free fall into the, uh, the canyon, where you're, a, you know, you're harnessed in, and it's, they just drop you, and, and it's the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. It's so funny. And I asked her permission if I could show it at church, and they said, yes, they were in the first service. And it's totally them, if you know Vesna and Francisco. Like, Francisco's all chill, just holding his glasses, smiling. He's worried more about his glasses than falling to his death. And, and Vesna's all white-knuckled, holding on, like, ah, am I going to die here? And you watch her move from terror to joy. It, it's a hoot. So check this out. Oh. 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 
Oh, isn't that life sometimes? You're hanging on, man. She, at first, her face was, uh-oh, I mean, and then he's just... <laughs> love them. That's, the, that's their personalities. I mean, Vesna, she expresses what's going on, and, and Francisco's just... He's just chilled. Um, Paul gives some examples in, in what we read of people who have to hang in there, people who have to keep on keeping on, so to speak. He used the word soldier. He says, suffer hardship as a soldier of Christ versus the, a civilian life. You know, having kids in the military, anybody that was in the military, you, my daughter belongs to the Navy right now, right? I mean, she's under contract, and, and so she does what they tell her to do. She's under the authority of the Navy. And Paul said, don't get involved as a soldier of Christ. Don't get involved in the affairs of the world. Like, don't get entangled in that. And when you ever hear the word, read the word world in the New Testament, think of two things. Sometimes the word world, it means the people of the world. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. But sometimes we're told to not love the world. And that means that Greek word behind our only word for world is the world system, the world's way of thought. The world's way is selfishness. It's greedy. It's I got to get mine and I'll step on anybody to get there. That's worldliness. And Paul's telling him, don't get caught up in that. Don't get caught up in, in that, in the world's way. Jesus told his disciples, he said, he told him, he said, I brought you out of this world. I'm bringing you, putting you back in the world, but you're not of the world. And Jesus came to reveal what God was like. He came to put a face on God. And so now he has commissioned us to show the world what God is like. Love, joy, peace, etc., is what God is like. But we're under his authority. So a soldier's not motivated by the same things other people are motivated by. Then he used the, the word athlete. Train like an athlete to win the prize. Olympic athletes spend three years and 11 months for that one month of the Olympics. And as they, they train and they get up early and they're disciplined and they eat right and they do everything they can to win that, that, that medal, so to speak. And sometimes in their, all of that training, they can get heartbroken they can, you know, the difference between a gold medal and a silver medal can be a millisecond sometimes. You know, you're talking six inches, whatever. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9.25, he says that we spiritually, we're competing for a wreath or a crown or a medal that, that can't be taken away. In the Olympics, they're competing for things that will perish. When we spiritually are keep on keeping on, and we keep persevering, we keep being faithful, Jesus promises to reward us in the life to come for our faithfulness in this life. And the rewards are not just for missionaries, evangelists, pastors, etc. It's for every one of us. God didn't ask you to be me. He didn't ask me to be you. You have a calling in your life to be faithful to the people in your life and what he's asked you to do. And he's promised to reward us for, for that faithfulness in the life to come. Then he talked about a farmer. He said, have the patience 
of a farmer. And I think of all these illustrations, farming, that's, that's tough, right? Farmers have to keep on keeping on all the time. I remember hearing a message years ago where a guy said, um, he said, I think we should replace all the agricultural outdated illustrations of the Bible and replace them with modern technology so that people can understand. And honestly, I thought, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Because the spiritual life is not instant. We live in a world of instant. Send an email, send a text. I need information, so I check the Google, right? Oop, oop, I got my info right there. Just click of a button. That's not spiritual truth. That's not spiritual reality. Farming is way more truthful about spirituality as a seed going into our, our hearts and germinating and producing the crop and watering and all that goes with it. I asked uh, Chris Ingalls, who's our spiritual growth director, ministry leader, he grew up in Yuma, which is farm community out on eastern rural Colorado, and he insures farmers. And I said, could you send me a little blurb on, on the patience of a farmer? Here's what he wrote me. He said, the disciplined farmer prepares the soil, plants the seed, cares for the crop, and waits. Their waiting is filled with work, frustration, and joy. They don't get to receive the fruit of their labor until harvest. No immediate gratification of everything they've put into it. Sometimes harvest is a bumper crop, and sometimes it's barely enough to get by. And they start over and do it all over and do it all over again and again. I think that's good. I remember years ago hearing Coach Bill McCartney, who used to coach the CU football in its glory days, and he was talking about a guy who had uh, gone to a prison. He was a prison minister, and he would go in and he would share the love of God with people, you know, inmates in prison. And this guy shared that he went and he was with this group in their little block, and, and uh, he told them, God loves you. He said, one of the inmates spit in his face. He said, I don't want to hear about your God. So he left and he came back the next week to the same cell, to the same guy, and he said, God loves you. Spit in his face again. This went on for months, almost to a year, where this guy went every week to get his spit in his face to tell the man that God loved him. And the last time he, he came in and he didn't even have to say anything, the guy said, man, I've put you through a lot of abuse and you're still here to tell me that God loves me. I want to hear about your God. Tell me about him. That's the patience of a farmer, so to speak, when it comes to, to sharing the love of God. Is to, he, he didn't reject him. He continued to be patient with the man. And then he says, he switches from those, he says, remember Jesus risen from the dead. I was thinking about this. I was thinking about all that Jesus endured. Even by the Son of God taking on flesh, he came into this world as a baby. He made himself vulnerable. He had to have his little diapers changed, right? And, and, and he, he grew up in a scandalous situation. And then even as he was older, he was misunderstood. He was persecuted to the point that it led him to a trial where he was 
told he was going to be crucified on a cross the way criminals were in that time. And they scourged him. They beat him, ripped out his beard, spat on him, put nails in his hands and his feet, and hung him up on a cross on display for the world to see. It says in the book of Hebrews, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He could look out into the future and he saw you. He saw the joy of you coming into the relationship that he has with the Father by what he was doing and submitting himself to the cross and what he did. He had joy of seeing us with him, so he was able to endure all the hard stuff that he went through for the joy that was set before him. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're over, whatever you're ready to quit, whatever, throw in the towel, ask God to give you a vision for the future. Give vision for what's going to happen as you endure faithfully through the difficulty that you're going through. Ask him to give you, that's what will keep you motivated. That's what will keep you keeping on. That will keep you persevering. Think of Jesus in the garden. Um, In his humanness, he prayed, Father, is there another way than what I'm about to go through? I love that about Jesus. He says, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And we we see that he, he was keeping on, keeping on himself as well there as our example. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection overcame our enemies of death, sin, and the devil. He overcame that. John, 1 John 5, 5 says, who is the one who overcomes is the one who believes Jesus is the Son of God. Because Jesus overcame, we overcome. That's good news. It's not about us. It's about him and what he did and that we're in him and that he's going to give us all the strength that we need. We just need to keep hanging on. And we need to remind ourselves that he's holding on to us. At the end of the message last week, I I gave a little homework assignment to, to practice receiving the love of God on a daily basis. And I, I did that just several times, you know, on a walk or whatever, just thanking God for his love. And I'm telling you, he met me every time. He spoke life to me and love. God is love and he loves you. He wants you to experience that. He's not mad. He's a, a, a passionate father in love with his kids. Continue to receive that love. He, he, Paul ends this with this sort of like verse of a song or a confession, so to speak. And he says, it's a trustworthy statement. For if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Now that's good news. And you may look at the two lines in the middle and say, is that saying that it's about me and what I do? I don't think so. I think the interpretation there is, if you read the first line, if we died with him, we live with him. We did die with him. It's a matter of fact. And then he says at the end, if we're faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. So what does that middle part mean? I believe it's about rewards. 
He's telling Timothy, hang in there, man. Don't quit too soon. There's something on the other end of this that's going to be a reward. And, and, and the denial is not of him personally, but of what he's going to receive as he's being faithful in doing what God asked him to do. So this week, what we want to do to, to make the most of this message is I, I was led through this and my thoughts to, the, to Habakkuk. You can't spell it and it's hard to say, but Habakkuk, Habakkuk was a prophet in the Old Testament, and he wrote and prophesied during Israel's great distress in times of, of, of great need. And what I want you to do, it's on your notes, is to meditate on these words. You know, you can pray Scripture. If you don't know how to pray, this can be a prayer for you. Any, any Scripture can be turned into prayer and a leading into our prayer. And really, Habakkuk sets us up for a prayer about keep on keeping on. Habakkuk looked around and he saw Israel, they had no food, they, had, they were in you know, sickness, all these crazy things were going on. And then he makes this declaration to God, he makes this declaration to the Lord. And so what I want you to do is meditate on that this week, maybe print it out or have it on your phone, and, and if you can, memorize it. Like memorizing scripture is a great exercise. Pray it as well. Because if you're going through something that's difficult right now, you can't see the joy that's going to be on the other side of whatever it is you're going through. You need this. And it will give you water for your soul that's thirsty. I'm going to pray this for us. Lord, even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in you, Lord. We will be joyful in the God of our salvation. The sovereign Lord, you are our strength. You make us as sure-footed as a deer able to tread upon the heights. Jesus' name, amen. Pray that over yourself and your family this week. We look around and things might be bleak for you. You're in a difficult situation. That illustration there of a sure-footed deer is pretty cool because you get a deer can get up out of the chaos that's down below and continue to get up higher and higher and away from danger, away from, you know, predators and all that kind of stuff. That's the message that's being sent to us. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't, don't surrender your future just, just because you're done. Like, find your strength in the Lord. Pass that strength and grace on to who you can and keep hanging on. That's how we keep on keeping on. Will you stand and let me pray a blessing over you? Those of you at home, receive this blessing as well. May the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, give you his peace now and forevermore. May you know the love of God 
that surpasses all our understanding. May his peace guard your hearts and mind. May you know him in the middle of all that you're going through, to know that he's your deliverer and he is going to deliver you. He's done everything. May you know that today. In Jesus' name, amen.